You can be seated. Any of you guys ever had the hiccups and they just wouldn't go away? Has that ever happened to anybody? Okay, so, so get, get, your, get your pencils out and some paper. So, so we're going to take some notes. Um, uh, tell me some hiccup remedies. Some, somebody, give me a hiccup remedy. I, okay, hey, hold on. Why? You, there's a, like a lot of them. So, so you said you drink water from the other side of the cup. She just wants you to get wet, I think. <laughs> Do you have to tip your head over and drink water from the other side of the cup? Do you mind demonstrating for us? What? I heard one over here. Scare somebody. Okay. All right. And take 10 drinks of water. Would coffee work? I'm going to try it. Okay. So we have one over here. Helps the medicine go down. (laughs) A spoonful of sugar. Somebody over here. Did we have? You guys just deal with it, I guess. You don't have any remedies. What's that? Lemon? All right. <laughs> Life gives you lemons, just suck on them, right? But go ahead. Hold your breath as long as you can. Well, I've got one. What you do is you, you take some frozen chicken and you put it in a paper bag. And you go outside and you swing it around your head while you're holding your breath, drinking water from the other side of a cup after you've swallowed or sucked on the lemon and swallowed the sugar. And if you're still alive, you're probably not going to have the hiccups. It's always funny when you hear these, these, these home remedy for hiccups. Some of them, you know, you listen to them and you're just like, you're just trying to get me, aren't you? You're, someone's going to video me trying to drink from the wrong side of the cup, sucking a lemon after I've had some a teaspoon of sugar. My, my dad was a joker. He, was, he, he loved to tease and kid. And I know that, that looking at me and, and knowing me that that's hard to believe. Um, but I had the hiccups one time, and, and they would not go away. And, and, man, you know, that's just irritating sometimes. And then when you have siblings that make fun of you while you have the hiccups, that just makes it worse. And my dad said to me, what you need is a teaspoon of sugar. And, and I thought for sure he was messing with me. And, and, and you know, I thought, well, worst case scenario is I just get a teaspoon of sugar. Do you know that is my surefire cure? And, and now I, I'm, I'm a little bit like my dad. I, I love to joke and tease. And I remember when, when this came across and Hope had the hiccups one time. And I'm like, just take a teaspoon of sugar. And I saw the look on her face that I bet my dad saw the look uh, on my face. The same, she's like, uh-uh, it's a, it's a trick. You're just trying to get me. It, it works. Um, now, some of you are going to go try it, and it's not going to work. If sugar doesn't work for you, a teaspoon of pepper will do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you laughed, because if you take me seriously, I'm probably going to be in trouble there. Well, we're in Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 6. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Uh, by the way, I, I forget to do this. I've been meaning to do this for a long time. If you have Facebook, let, let's all do this just for fun. Go to Facebook. Go to your page and hit check in. Don't check into Black Bear Coffee, okay? That's what I'm saying. Check into First Baptist Church. 
I didn't see a single person just go try to do that. Okay, what? Just for me then. Or, or you can look uh, in, if you use the Version Bible, we're in the Bible app, the notes uh, are there. You can go on events and, and save that. But we're in Joshua chapter 6, and, and just to kind of give a short recap, um, th- this, is, this is after the Exodus. They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. In fact, um, except for Joshua, I don't know if Caleb is around, but except for Joshua, an entire generation of people who left Egypt have died. They've crossed the Jordan. Things are all new now. In fact, they, they ate manna for the last time. And, and, and even though they're, and, and from then on, they had to eat from the fruit of the land. Now, they did observe the Passover. So something old, something new was the title of that message. And, and, and they, they consecrated, they dedicated themselves to God. And so now they're getting ready. Can, can you imagine how many of you have had to wait for 40 years for something? Some of you are like, for my kid to grow up, right? Um, 40 years, the, the anticipation that, that must have been. This is a generation that has only known the wilderness. But they've been hearing their entire lives that God has promised us a land. And someday... Someday we will go into the promised land, and they are there now. They're on the outskirts of Jericho, the most fortified city in, in the land probably. And Joshua encounters this guy. Do you remember that story? And, and Joshua said what probably we would have. I, I, I just imagine the Bible is silent here, but, but I use my imagination while I'm reading Scripture and and I put myself in their shoes. And, and here's Joshua. I imagine this is a pretty imposing guy. Joshua looks at him and knows this is a warrior. And he asks this man, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he says, no. <laughs> you ever get an answer like that sometimes when you ask a question? He says, but I am the commander of the army of Yahweh. And we talked about that, that this isn't, we don't have to, you don't have to suppose a whole lot. Joshua falls down in worship, and this man says, take the sandals off your feet because the place you're standing is holy ground. Now, this is so much like Moses in the burning bush. This is God. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is God the Son before he became flesh whose name, by the way, is the same as the name of the guy we're talking about. It's Joshua, Yeshua. And so Joshua is there with him. Joshua does what he says, and, and, and by doing that, he is really just, just giving himself to, to really God the Son, to, to the commander of the Lord's army. And, and I can't imagine what that must have been like. He probably had heard stories from Moses, who was his mentor, of, of meeting God face-to-face. We know that the Bible says in other places you can't meet God face-to-face and live, but that's God the Father. This is God the Son, the pre-incarnate Christ, just like Moses did, met him face-to-face. Now Joshua, God picks right up with Joshua where he left off with Moses. And, and how, how that must have been, the, the encounter with the Almighty God, the creator of everything that is, and that's where we left off a couple of weeks ago, and that's where we pick up today. And, and, and I don't know if you guys ever think about these kinds of things. Have you ever thought about, man, 
if I could have just hung out with Jesus and the disciples. You ever, you ever have that thought? Man, if I could just ask him questions, I would have been so much smarter than the disciples. <laughs> Probably not. I'm kind of glad that I wasn't there, even though it would have been way cool to hang out with Jesus, because all the dumb stuff I said would be recorded in here, right? <laughs> so here's Joshua. They're getting ready to go in and possess the land that God had promised them. That's where we pick up, and we're not going to go too far, just verses 1 through 5, Joshua chapter 6. Here's what it says. Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. You remember this, when they sent the spies in, they only sent two this time. They picked like the two that were going to do what God said. They sent them in, and, and Rahab the prostitute was the one who sheltered them. And she said, our people's hearts melt in fear because we've heard what Yahweh, your God, has done. And so, so now they know, by the way, Israel's like a million plus people and, and you don't go unnoticed with that. Just, just like for some of you, we, we know that you're guests here because we didn't recognize your face. I could meet you in Ossips and ask where you're from. And you're going to say, how do you know I'm not from here? Because I haven't seen you before. They didn't go unnoticed. When they crossed over the Jordan, Jericho knew. And so it was shut up inside and out. This was probably the most fortified city in the land, and they were ready for war. And here is, is verse 2. Here's what Yahweh says to Joshua. See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Now, Again, I, I love Scripture, and I love to read it like I'm there. And, and I'm just trying to... Now, remember, Joshua has just encountered Almighty God. He's still in his presence. But, but can you imagine you see this really fortified city, and it's closed up. It's ready for war. And what God tells Joshua is, hey, look, I've given this city to you. And Joshua is probably a way better guy than I, because my thought would have been... Doesn't look like it. <laughs> You're just showing me probably the hardest target to attack in this land. And you're saying you're giving it to me. Well, they don't, their hands aren't up. They're not coming out in surrender. And then here's what he says. You ever, this, this is what reminded me of the, the hiccup remedies. Somebody tells you to do something and you're like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Here's Joshua. God says to him, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Now, now get this. You get your men, your men of valor, your, your battle warriors, and you're going to march around the city every day for six days. You're going to march around once. And if I was Joshua, I would be saying, okay, there's, there's got to be something else. And then he says, verse 4, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And Joshua's like, okay, now, now this is starting to sound a little bit better. We, we've got the ark out there. Your presence is with us. The ark always symbolized the presence of God. So we've got that there. We've got our men of valor. We're going to march around once a day for six days. All right, this is sounding good. We're just really kind of getting them worked up before we go in and defeat them. That, that, that was all my interjection there by the way 
on the seventh day. And I could see Joshua going, this is it. This is it. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And I, and I bet I know what I would have been thinking. And we're going to rush the gates. <laughs> it says, And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat, and everyone shall go up, everyone straight before him. Joshua, that, that's why we're looking at Joshua in this series, is entitled Courageous Faith, because I would have been saying, whoa, wait, 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 I think I skipped something here. Hold on. We're marching around the city one time for six days. On the seventh day, we march around seven times. The priests blow the trumpets. We shout, isn't this where we attack? <laughs> isn't this where, where we go and, and knock the gates down? And, but what he says is, and the walls will lay flat. Now, mind you, they're looking at Jericho while God is telling him this. I, I, I think Joshua, just because of his trust in God, was further down the road than me. But if it had been me, I, I would have been like my, when my dad told me, to, all right, now take this teaspoon of sugar, because my dad would always do funny stuff. And he thought it, he thought it was great when we had, he had me go pick a wild onion, and my sister peeled it for me. And I took a big, how many of you love a, a good bologna cheese sandwich with fresh, sweet onion? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Try that with a big garlic. <laughs> Joshua, Joshua had to be thinking, that is not, now, now this wasn't a warrior nation. They had been wandering for 40 years, even though they had some battles. Joshua had to have been thinking, God, this isn't the way you do it. This, this isn't the way that it happens. Now, now some people, you know, they, they, they try to explain away things in, in the Bible. And, and some people would, would probably maybe lead you to believe that, that Joshua was some physics whiz. And, and he's probably thinking, all right, so we get this many people. We're marching around. It's shaking in, in the walls. It's going to destabilize the walls. The trumpet blast and the shout is going to be the last bit of energy that it's going to take. The knock. I don't think he thought that at all. I, I think Joshua was thinking, God, if you don't show up here, we're sunk. Because there's no battle manual anywhere that says the way that you attack a very fortified city is to march around it and blow some trumpets and yell. He says, So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Pray like crazy, guys, because this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's not what he said. He said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass 
on before the ark of the Lord. How in the world could Joshua obey this crazy sounding plan for battle? How how could he do that? Well, Well, let me tell you. When you don't understand the command, that's when you trust the commander. You you see, it wasn't because of what Joshua was told to do that he obeyed. And what we have from Scripture is he obeyed without question. The reason that Joshua obeyed wasn't because of what he was told to do. It was because of who told him. And I don't know about you, but, but... a lot of times when we talk about faith in this world, it gets kind of weird. You know, any of you ever seen Polar Express? You remember the ticket of the one kid, you know, believe. As if, if you believe it hard enough, it'll happen. Or if you believe it hard enough, it'll be true. Let me tell you, that is not true. I still don't have any hair. I I take that back. I've got like six that keep wanting to grow on top, but I just shave those off because they look lonely. Faith isn't something in us. It's not a thing in us. Faith is trust in God. You ever think about that? Sometimes you ever have people say, man, if you just have enough faith, if you just have enough faith, then it almost sounds like that we can make something happen by faith in it. And sometimes we get ourselves all worked up with that, man, I can, if I just have enough, listen, that is not Christianity. That is not following Yahweh, the one true God. Scientology believes that. Faith isn't something, a thing inside us that we have to get worked up for something to happen. Faith is simply trust in God. When you don't understand the command, that's when you trust the commander. And and listen, as I was reading this, this sounded an awful lot like another story I have read. Luke chapter 5. You know the story. Jesus is is preaching along the Sea of Galilee. The the crowd is pressing in and pressing in, and and, and I'm using my imagination here, but I can also almost imagine Jesus taking a step back, and there's water, and he's like, oh, you know. They, they back me up against the Sea of Galilee. He looks out, and there's Peter, and he's fishing, and he calls him, uh, actually coming in from fishing uh, the night. He calls him in, and, and, and Jesus gets in a boat, has him row away a little bit, which was genius, because um, Jesus is like, you're only going to get so far, and then I know you're going to stop. So Jesus finishes preaching, and at the end, he looks at Peter, and he says, hey, Peter, why don't you throw your nets on the right side of the boat? And Peter after hearing him preach, and I don't think Jesus was new to them. I think they knew about him already, but he heard him that day. Peter says something like this. Rabbi, <laughs> I know you're not a fisherman. I'm, I'm adding some in here. But we've been fishing all night long, and we haven't caught a thing. <laughs> Here's the implication that Peter was making. Jesus you apparently don't know how fishing works. (laughs) You fish at night when it's cool and they come to the top to eat the mosquitoes. I don't know if they had mosquitoes there. And we've been doing that all night. We we fish. We are fishermen. That's what we do. 
That's how we make our living, and we haven't caught a thing. And then he says something that's amazing. Remember, he had just heard him preach. He says, because, but because it's you who say, we'll do it. Do you remember the rest of the story? They cast the net over. They start to bring it in. The nets start to break. Peter jumps in the water. He didn't want to lose any of those fish. Somebody counted them. I'd love to have been the person. The biggest catch they ever had. And, and what Peter said is something that we need to get a hold of. He said, you know, basically what you're saying doesn't make sense. But because it's you who say it. What Jesus told him to do wasn't why Peter did it. Because Peter knew that didn't work. But because it was Jesus who said it. Peter obeyed. And that's where Joshua was. Joshua had encountered Almighty God and he knew who he was talking to. He had heard the stories of Moses and how Moses had met with God face to face. He knew about God, who he was, and what he had done. And so when the commander of the army of the Lord said, Joshua, this is what I want you to do, he did it not because of what was said, but because of who said it. Guys, listen, this is the definition we gave for faith a while back. I just want to say it again, just to remind you. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he'll do. You got that? Believing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. And here's why those are important together. It's because of who God is that we can rely on what God does. And so when Joshua obeyed, Joshua was obeying because of who said it. I don't know about you, but there are some times that things happen in life or or maybe God may prompt you to do something in life and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Actually, a, a lot of what Jesus said was revolutionary for them. We've heard it so many times, it's kind of commonplace. But when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for them, that's crazy. That's crazy. We don't do it because what he says makes sense to us. We do it because of who says it to us. Faith isn't about the what. It's never about the what. In fact, in Hebrews, it says, faith is the substance of things unseen, the assurance of things hoped for. It's not about the what at all. Faith is all about the who. Let me, let me close with this. Some of you are going, what? Yeah, it's only 20 more points. No, I'm kidding. One. If you want to grow in your faith in God, and, and I think we all do, if you want to grow in your faith with God, what that is going to require is that you press into relationship with him. I did what my dad told me to do to get rid of my hiccups. (laughs) Not because of what he told me made any sense at all. Now, mind you, I'm never against a good spoonful of sugar. (laughs) But it was because 
It was my dad who told me to do it. When Jesus talks about faith, he talks about if you have the faith of a mustard seed. And, 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 and I think we get that, that kind of parable all wrong or, or that saying all wrong because we, what we think is I have to muster up, <laughs> all pun intended, uh, muster up a little bit of faith, just the size of a mustard seed. And if I can get together that, that little bit of faith, then it'll happen. But I think we've missed the point of that altogether, if that's the way we take it. What Jesus, I believe, is saying there is, hey, look, it's not the quantity of faith that you have. It's who your faith is in. You see, let me give you an equation. Any, any math people in here, anybody like math? Let, let me give you a good equation. This one will take you through all eternity. You plus God equals infinity. You know why? Because God is infinite. You see, when, when you trust in him, then God will do anything. Anything's possible. When, when, you, when you figure God into the equation, anything's possible. And it's not because of you. It's not how much faith you have. It's who your faith is in. And so I just want to encourage you today. Because we all want to have courageous faith. Don't you want courageous faith? Don't you want to be at the place in your life that, that no matter what happens, you can in all honesty say, you know what? God is going to take care of that. Now, sometimes we say that as wishful thinking. But, but don't you want to be at a, at a place that no matter what happens, no matter what God prompts you to do, you say, you know what? God, because it's you who say, I'll do that. Imagine the rich young ruler who came to Jesus asking about, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus threw out a few of the commands, and he said, I've done all those. I'm thinking, liar. Um, but Jesus didn't. Jesus said, you know what? One thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big ask. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. Where am I sleeping tonight? <laughs> um, now, the weather's good up here, but you're probably going to get rained on. Well, what am I going to eat? I suppose you can find some berries. I hear some insects are edible. <laughs> um, you see, sometimes we, we just get to the place in life where all we have is trusting God. I want, when I, when I get to that place that, that there's the big ask, I want to be able to say, God, I'll do it because it's you who say. And the way we do that is by pressing into relationship with God. Faith is believing God is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he says he'll do. That comes from a relationship with him that we trust him. So, so today, let me just encourage you. Would you press into a relationship with God? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. I met the Lord in 1982. I think that makes me 37 years old spiritually. I tried to do that math real fast in my head. If I'm off, forgive me. I'm, I'm older than that in my knees, trust me. For 37 years, I've been following the Lord. Sometimes better than others. 
but I want to press into relationship so much with him. Some of you may have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and you say, you know what? I don't think sometimes my faith looks like I'm 37 years old in the Lord. I, I want to press into relationship with him so that when he asks, I just do it because it's him. For some of you, maybe you're a relatively new believer. Maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord all that long, and you're like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> um, you're asking something that's big. Yeah, go back and, and read in the Gospels, the life and story, the ministry of Jesus, and he always had big asks. Leave your father and your mother and come and follow me. That's basically what he said to Peter and Andrew. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, man, if you can do that with fish, I want to see what you can do with men. And they left their father. What a conversation that would have been. Dad, I'm out. <laughs> to follow Jesus. I would encourage you, if you're, if you're new in your faith, press into relationship with him. How do you do that? He's revealed himself through his son, but all that is recorded in his word. He's revealed himself in his word. And maybe there's somebody here today that, that for whatever reason, maybe you just happened to be walking by and God prompted you to come here. Maybe a friend invited you, maybe family member, and, and you're here and you've never, you've never come to faith in Christ. Can I tell you something? This life is so short. This life is so temporary. And, and I, I talk about this a lot with people. If this is as good as it gets, man. <laughs> now, if you've got a cup of coffee in your hand, it's a little bit better. But if this is as good as it gets, that's, that's not very good. But, but let me tell you some news. It's not. Jesus died on the cross, taking your sin and my sin, and then taking God's punishment, his penalty for sin, so that we could have a relationship with God. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, and God pursues you in relationship. Isn't that great? That's great to know as a believer that God pursues me in relationship. And in Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that's a huge invitation, isn't it? Jesus is the only way. The way is really narrow, but the invitation is wide. Anyone who calls on his name, anyone who believes, who trusts in him, will be saved. So no matter where you are today, whether you've been walking with the Lord 30 plus years, three months, three days, or whether you're, you're just right there today, can I just encourage you to draw close to God in, in this time of invitation response, here, here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. Say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more than I ever have before. I want to know you, God, in such a way. I want my relationship to be so close with you that whatever you say, I'll just do it instinctively because you're the one who says it. Regardless of what it might be, regardless of whether it makes sense to me or not, or whether it goes contrary to my plans. God, I want my relationship to be with you so close that just a whisper is all it takes from you. And, and I'll do it. 
Because the Bible says that the Lord draws near to those who draw near to him. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your love. God, I, I read through scripture and my own experience and, and just from seeing others, there, there's really no one righteous. There's really no one who pursues you. But God, you pursue us. And Lord, I thank you for that. I, I thank you for, for those of us who've trusted in Christ, maybe for some a long time ago, that, that even when we pull away from you, that you pursue us and you do it relentlessly. You never stop because you love us. And, and Lord, if there's someone here today who, who hasn't come to faith in Christ, who've never come to the place where they've trusted Jesus as their, their Lord and, and their Savior, God, would you just draw them to you? Would you just show your love to them? Help them to see their need for Christ because of their sin and then the provision that you've made for them through the cross. And God, for every one of us today, Lord, I just pray that, God, you would help us to know you more, that you would draw us close to you. Our relationship with you would be such that, Lord, it just takes a whisper from you for us to obey. And God, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do in our hearts to change us and to make us like Jesus. God, for some of us, our prayer will be like the man who came to Jesus and said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. God, we, we trust you. We, we pray that you'd help us to trust you more. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.